I'm pulling out of somebody else's driveway. You know what that means. It's time for the drive to work. And I have a carpooling guest. So Mark, say hi. Hi, everybody. So this is Mark Purvis. So this is a name some of you guys might recognize. Um, why don't we start by explaining sort of what you do at Wizards and... Sure, um, I work on the brand team. My title right now is Senior Brand Director. And uh, I've been uh, working at Wizards for about 10 years now. My 10 year anniversary was just this summer. Um, and the brand team... New newbie. Yeah. <laughs> the brand team is, is in charge of uh, some of the more businessy aspects of product development as well as um, you know, developing marketing campaigns and, and working with our, our trade marketing team to make in-store play programs and fun things like that. Right, you guys figure out like how much to pr produce the stuff and... Yeah, and uh, you know, we work with finance and all the kind of boring sausage factory <laughs> stuff that has to happen in order to make any kind of product. But, uh, you know, I've actually been a huge Magic player ever since Revised. That's when I started playing oh, Revised, in okay, 1994. Yes. Um, and, you know, I have worked on a couple of sets since coming to Wizards of the Coast. I've had the privilege of, of playing down in R&D on a couple of So what sets did you work on? I made the Zombie Empire deck in Plane Chase. Uh, I made the Kalia deck and, and designed Kalia and Tariel in, uh, in the first Commander decks that we ever made. But I've also worked on Gatecrash and uh, M13 and mm -hmm. just... A couple of sets like that, but the, the last set that I worked on uh, is the one that I had the most fun with. Okay, and what set was that? <laughs> it was Unstable, which I am so excited we can finally talk about. So uh, today we're going to talk about sort of the history of getting Unstable to print, because that was actually a pretty complicated thing, a lot more complicated than you would think. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the history of the Unsets and kind of how the role they played, because there's a... You have to understand the unsets in the past to understand the challenges of getting a third unset made. So why don't you talk a little bit about Unglued and Unhinged? Sure. I mean, I was not working at Wizards of the Coast when they came out, but uh, I was a big-time casual player on the outside. And so in 1998, when Unglued came out, I went to a release event in Los Angeles where I was living at the time. And it just from from that first set, I have so many fond memories of, of, of just different things that happened while playing it. Uh, I played at a, a little baseball card shop off Melrose in, uh, in Los Angeles, and there was a, my opponent was sitting uh, with his back to a giant plate glass window that, um, that faced Melrose, and uh, when I played Herloon Wrangler, I'll never forget, he looked at the card, and, and he was like, well, I guess I gotta decide whether I'm gonna take my pants off. And, you know, that was not the intention of the card, by the way. <laughs> I was at the pre-release when I'm walk. I'm a head judging, dressed like a chicken, and I walk by somebody and they go, in response to your declaration of attack, I remove my pants. And I'm like, what have I done? What have I done? Well, he ended up not doing it. Okay. And, uh, it ended up working as intended. Um, but, you know, that Christmas, I remember going home and playing with my, uh, with my little at-home play group, uh, and my best friend, Greg Jackson, played uh, free-range chicken against me. Yeah. And he proceeded to roll double... So, for those of you who don't know, free-range yeah. chicken, you can roll two dice, and if they come up doubles, it gets plus X plus X, where X is what you rolled. And yeah. he proceeded to roll double sixes uh, two <laughs> or three times in a row and just whooped me with it. And it was it was hilarious, and it was fun, and it was, it was a great fond memory. So here, so a little history for you. So what happened was we actually did a pre-release for Unglued at Gen Con. 
Uh, that's why I've dressed up like a chicken. And it was it was a real it was a big hit at Gen Con. Um, and so what happened was Wizards had gotten a lot of early buzz, and so we didn't really make what we now call supplemental sets back then. That wasn't something. In fact, I think Unglued is the first ever supplemental set we made, I believe, especially the first booster product one. Um, and so we didn't really know what we were doing with it. And that what happened was it was the closest in size to a small set. So they just treated it like a small set. And the reality was it wasn't a small set. In fact, it wasn't even as big as a small set. Um, and so we made too much of it. So early on, it sold really well. But then, and here's the thing about overprinting, you can make anything fail by overprinting it. The most popular successful set in the world, if you just make too much of it, it you know, it'll stop selling at some point. Yep, so uh, my favorite way to play is to wacky draft, you know, put a mix of booster packs into the pool and have everybody drafting different things, but I always encourage people to play with silver bordered sets um, in, in my casual play group. So when I got to Wizards of the Coast, um, I was really excited about the possibility of there being another silver bordered set. So I don't know, five or six years ago, I started yeah. doing research into what had happened with the first two. And it's exactly what you said. Because it was such an unknown quantity at the time, um, there wasn't a really good way to estimate what the demand was going to be. And so when I dug a little further into it, I realized this, this would have been a really successful product if we had treated it uh, like we do conspiracy or some of the other ancillary specialty skews that we yeah. do right now instead of treating it like a small set which is what the business team at the time uh, looks like they did and in their defense like it, it was unlike anything we'd ever done and they really didn't know what to do with it um, and the sad thing is we did it in Unglued and then six years later did it again in Unhinged so Unhinged came out in 2004 so so here, here's where the story comes starts to come together. I had wanted to make a third set forever. Um, Mark uh, had wanted to make a third set for, forever. And uh, there's a third Mark involved, a guy named Mark Globus, who was actually uh, in the first great designer search. I think he tied for fourth. Uh, he ended up getting a job on the digital team and then eventually moved over to the main R&D team and now he's a producer in R&D. And he also really loved the unsets. And so... Uh, what I call the Council of Marks. The three of us really wanted to make it happen. And so we were trying to figure out how to, how, how to do that. So this was, uh, so what is 2017? So beginning of 2011, like January of 2011, uh, we had, three of us had a meeting. Um, and the idea we had at the time was, okay, it's going to be hard to get it on the schedule, but what if we just make it first? What if... It'll be easier to say to people, hey, we have this already made product, let's see if we can release it, versus let's convince people to make it before it existed. Well, and there were a lot of really good reasons to do it, too. Um, every time we would do a panel, every time we would go to PAX or to Gen Con or any panel, we would uh, we would have someone in the Q&A ask us when we're going to do another silver bordered set. And over time, it's become really hard to get your hands on sealed boosters of those sets. And so yeah. it's... Um, it, it, it was clear that people wanted that experience, and I, I suspect it's sort of like a cult movie at this yeah. point, where there's a cult following, and they really there's a, a group of people out there like us yeah. that, that are really excited about the prospect of being able to play with a set like this again. So, so, the, so here's what happened: is we had to make a set uh, before, like it wasn't on a schedule or anything. It was something that was like, okay, we have to figure out how. Like, okay, let's make something. Um, and so what Glo Globus had an interesting idea. He said, 
what if we make something that we can justify for another business reason beyond just, I mean, we believe very firmly that there's an audience. We believe that people would want it. Like, like it always was made under the pretense from us of this would be an awesome thing the players would really love. But because there was a lot of skepticism because the previous two had sort of overprinted, we needed to come up with some other reasons to sort of make it. Um, so the, the thing that we tried originally was there was a lot of experimental things that were going on in printing. That um, So behind the scenes, one of the things that you guys don't see too much is we deal with printers, they print our cards, and that the technology of printing keeps changing because there's just new things they can do. And so... Um, the printers will come to us. We, we deal with, actually with a bunch of printers because we, print we print a lot of magic cards. Um, and they will come to us and say, hey, we have new technology or we think we're going to get new technology and they pitch us ideas. And so when we started, the idea was, well, what if we use this as a set to explore new technologies? Because the unsets have always been an exploratory thing. Even, like one of the things that I always, one of my guidelines was that it never could be what was Black Border at the time. But if you kind of look at Unglued, there's things we did Unglued that, like, that was crazy that we've done since then. There, there, in fact, sometimes people look at cards in Unglued and go, why was that silver border? And, like, back then that wasn't considered something we did. Um, you know, BFM seems crazy, but then, you know, flash forward 15 years later and we do Meld, which is not that much different, you know. And it's, it was a really natural um, sort of excuse to, to play in that space as well. Um, and it really pushed us to do some innovative things, not only within the card set, but at every step of the way afterwards, up to and including how we would promote it on the website or, or announce it. Uh, all of this innovation, the spirit of innovation, kind of infused itself into every step of the product, and that's one of the things I love about it. Yeah, one, one of the things, um, like, like I said, one of our jobs was we wanted to make it and then sell it, then convince people, like, convince the people in the building that this was something we needed to, to, to release. Um, and so, interestingly, when we started, we were sort of looking at new printing technologies. That's where we started. And um, the guidelines that I started when I make my team was, let's push boundaries. Let's, here's new things that one day printing will do. Well, what, if that were true, what could we do? And we really came up with lots of crazy ideas. And, uh, and then, um, what we found out over time was that a lot of the ideas that we were designing to were things that one day will happen, but hadn't happened yet. And in fact, we started in 2011. By the time the product was ready to go to, to printing, like some of the things that we had originally experimented with weren't even available. Like I know in development, we had to pull back on a few things that we had tried because the technology that we had built it to didn't really exist yet. Um, like one of the things, for example, that we messed around with that at the time didn't exist, although we're starting to get there, is the idea of saying card A and card B have to appear together. Like they're in the booster together. Now I know some people might think that sounds so easy to do. <laughs> it is not. It's actually, in fact, if you go back to Innistrad, one of the things that we'd wanted to do in Innistrad uh, when we first did double face cards was that there was a separate card you would play that went in your deck that you played that card and then when it went and got the double face card. So the idea was there would be a card that's like the summon the double face card and then the double face card. But we needed those to appear together in the pack because otherwise, like, you know, it's the go get the werewolf card and the werewolf card. Um, and we ended up not doing it that way because the technology didn't exist. I think at the time they could promise us like 95% pairing accuracy, 
which meant like eh, 19 out of 20 times they came together. And we're like, well, that wasn't good enough. So we ended up finding another way to do double face cards. You know, one of the great things about Wizards is we've got a really talented production team that uh, will take a problem that we'll throw at them. And if they if the technology doesn't exist now, they'll, they'll figure out a way to match what we're trying to do. So, you know, even though um, Unstable pushed a lot of technologies to the point where we're, we're probably going to be able to realize the benefit of them in the, in the next year or two, um, we were able to find ways to deliver the experience that we had planned if that technology had actually existed. It's just yeah. a little bit more complicated to get there than we had intended. So, okay, so here's the story I want to tell, which is, okay, so we start making the set. So, um, I have a design team, I start putting the set together. Okay, but the next step is actually getting it on the schedule. So let's talk a little bit about how did we get it on the schedule? Sure. Well, uh, we, we had had a, a really great set called Conspiracy, and that had opened up a, a whole new way for people to experience draft. And we realized that there were people out there that were really interested in uh, these sort of one-off experiences that they could have in between the major set releases. And so it seemed really natural that we'd be able to uh, put a set like Unstable on the schedule and, and be able to, to release that in that slot. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, one of the things I tell people to understand how long it took for Unstable to get made was within the window of us starting Unstable and Unstable coming out, Sean Main came up with the idea of Conspiracy, <laughs> made Conspiracy, Conspiracy came out, Conspiracy was a hit, Sean was asked to make Conspiracy 2, he made Conspiracy 2, Conspiracy 2 came out, and then Unstable came out. Yeah. So, uh, my boss always jokes about this being the Mark retention plan because uh, she knows that uh, I care so much about this product that I'm going to stay a wizard <laughs> of the coast and fight no matter what to make sure that it comes out. Uh, but I think she's throwing you and Globus in there as well. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so Conspiracy uh, proved that we could do a set like this and, and have it find a home in our schedule. But I know that uh, one of the themes in the set that early on we thought was was going to be pretty loud was the, the idea of it being a sort of a steampunk mad scientist world. And early on we had also uh, been talking about Kaladesh as being etherpunk uh, or having well, a little well, bit more of that. When we first, real clear, when we first made the set, we decided to give it a creative treatment because uh, the previous unsets, it was card by card. There wasn't a lot of uh, world building. And one of the things we wanted to do, because whenever we make an unset, we want to use the technology of the day. And creative had come a you know, long, long way since you know uh, 13 years ago. And so we really wanted to give it a uh, cohesive vision. So the idea that at the time, in 2011, was we came up with this idea of of doing a steampunk Mad Inventor world because steampunk was on our list of worlds we wanted to do. And at the time, we weren't going to Kaladesh yet because right. we, we we ended up sort of audibling into it. What happened was in Magic Origins, um, we were figuring out the worlds that all the Planeswalkers were from and they came up with this idea of Chandra's home world and that we just liked it so much we, we audibled. We, we ended up putting it on the schedule. But it... In the seven-year plan, it wasn't there. So when we made, uh, originally, when we chose to do a sort of a mad adventure steampunk feel, there, there was nothing on the magic schedule that was doing steampunk at all. Um, but you're going to jump ahead because you're talking about the second delay and not the first <laughs> delay. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the time it, it was actually on the schedule internally that uh, we were, you know, this close. I know you guys can't see, I'm just <laughs> about an inch 
away from announcing it was that time for, for Kaladesh. We had well, talked well, about but, but, putting but, but, out... But, 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 but it was originally part. scheduled for 2015. Right. It was going to be the summer of 2015, but what happened in 2014 was Modern Masters, the very first Modern Masters came out, and was a huge hit. And then we're like, oh, we got to do Modern Masters 2. Okay, how can we make space for Modern Masters 2? And uh, I got pushed back. That was the first time it got pushed back. Right. Um, and then the, the second time was the, the Kaladesh one yes. that I was talking about. Right. It's going to come out summer 2016. Uh, and then it was decided that uh, we couldn't have two, we, we shouldn't have two steampunk sets so close to each other. Right. It's kind of funny. Once you see Unstable, obviously, they're really nothing alike. They're, they're about as different as sets can be. Um, but there was this worry that they would be too similar. Exactly. Um, they both have an artifact theme in them, and they both obviously have their roots in steampunk, although, I don't know, they, they, they ended up really, really different places. So then they got pushed back to the summer of 2017, um, and then uh, I think Conspiracy 2 came out and it was really crunched between... What was the country? Eldritch Cal- Moon. Eldritch Moon and Kaladesh, and it didn't really have time to breathe, um, and so I think we decided to move... Um, to move Unstable to December so that it would have a little more time for people to play and have fun with it and not have like a week or two and then up, then, then comes the next set comes along. Well, there's also this great opportunity with Magic's 25th anniversary, right? So with our 25th anniversary, there are going to be a lot of different products that we're releasing that are um, that are going to be for different audiences because one of the best things about Magic is that different people enjoy it different ways. And so it's, it just seems real, like a really natural fit to be able to release it as part of our celebration of the 25th anniversary of Magic. Yeah, so I I, uh, I keep thinking of the little quote from Monty Python. It's like, we, we put the set out and it sank. So we put a second set out and it sank. We put out a third set, it burned over and sank. But the fourth set stayed. So finally the fourth release, uh, that's the one that actually... Uh, I mean, we told you it's coming out, so I hope it's coming out. <laughs> oh, it's it's definitely coming out. I actually just talked to uh, our production team yesterday, and they're, okay. they're going down to the printers next week to watch it actually be printed. And I, I oh, cool, cool. Excited. So we're we're actually recording this a little early um, because uh, um, you, you you by the time you guys are hearing it, it's it's going to be coming out either it has come out or it's coming out shortly. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think any other. That one of the interesting things also along the way was. I mean, I'm going to do a different podcast talking about the actual design of it. Today's a little bit more about getting it made. Uh, and I'll do a different podcast talking about, like, how contraptions and stuff came to be. Um, the other thing I remember was you were on the development team. I was, yeah. Um, that was So I, I was on the design team. I led the design team. And then I was on the development team with you. Um, had a bunch of different lead designers. It changed. Uh, it had a very, very long development period uh, because we, it keep getting pushed back. And so... Um, I think the first lead designer was Billy Moreno, and then the second one was Dave Humphreys, and then the third one was uh, Ben Hayes. Ben Hayes. Yep. <laughs> but that's that's kind of that's I think one of the cool things about the set is that every one of those people brought a different sensibility on how to make the play of the set fun. Yes. And that's one of the things that you know with the first onset, uh, it wasn't a fifteen card booster. And it was a ten card booster for right. those that love their trivia. So it was uh, it was difficult to incorporate it into a draft environment. Uh, I think one of the, the big successes with this one is that it, we really focused on making the play fun. In addition to there being fun cards and there being jokes on the cards that are that are really hilarious, it creates really fun place situations that uh, the, the previous ones had in them. But this is really the focus of the set. Yeah. The other thing that we did because. Once again, we, we had to sort of convince internally 
why we thought there would be a, a strong audience for it. Um, we designed it with a lot of formats in mind. I mean, we obviously designed it to be drafted, and it's meant to be drafted by itself. And, and um, we, we put a lot into it so that you could draft it a bunch of times and have fun. Um, we definitely thought about Commander. There's a lot of legendary stuff in it. We thought about um, cubes. Uh, I know that uncards un uh, actually are very popular in cubes. So we made a bunch of cards that were, we thought we were cube friendly. Um, we did a bunch of casual things. Like I, I made a, a squirrel lord so you can make your squirrel deck. Yep. Um, the Earl of Squirrel. The Earl of Squirrel. <laughs> I'm a big fan of squirrels and I'm so excited to have new squirrel cards to put in my casual decks. Yeah, one of my one of my ongoing goals is to over time make enough squirrels that you really can make a, a robust squirrel deck. Um, but there's a I'm trying to think of other um a little extra time here. The um Okay, so let, let, let's walk through. We so we started in 2011. I think the design was a slow design. I think we took maybe three years on the design just because we didn't have an end date for a while. So I was kind of the funny thing was while I was working on it, I was still leading other sets. Like every moment that I was leading this set, what I ever since Shadowmore, I've been continuously leading a set since Shadowmore. So I was. While I was leading this set, I was still leading another set. So we just did it very slowly so that we could get it done and do it right and do it well. Um, and like I said, we kept trying different things and then coming back and saying, okay, can we do this? Can we do this? Can we do this? And, and then um, as we got closer, we started sort of figuring out what we could do. And but, but we mimicked some stuff that we originally planned, but we couldn't do. Um, okay, so how do we get it from... Like, how do we get it on the first schedule in the first place? How did we do that? Well, I think... Um doing a lot of research into how we could have you know come up with the right print run the right timing all the right uh, ways that as a business we could benefit from doing it were some of the things that went into convincing the leadership that this was a really great idea for us to do as a business and that's that's kind of my gig but a lot of great things came out of it uh, even things that saw the light of day prior to uh, mm -hmm. the set actually coming out. For example, one of the things that you mentioned Mark Globus mm -hmm. had worked with the production team on was really pushing print capability yeah. and innovation there. So when you look at um, the full bleed lands that yep. came out of the set, we part of why we have black borders on cards is just to make it so that we can sort of hide when there's little imperfections on the tolerances of the cards, right? So if the if it's cut a little a little bit miscut and this used to happen a lot more in the past our it, the tolerances have gotten so much better and our printers have gotten so good that this this doesn't happen that often anymore but we got to the point where we felt really comfortable that we could actually have the artwork go all the way to the side of the the card and so that we could take the idea of the full art land that was first presented in the first unset and really take it to the ultimate extreme. And of course, yeah. we, got, <laughs> we got John Avon to work on it. He's one of the best magic artists, especially for landscapes, and he just really knocked it out of the park on those cards. And so, um, but my point is, you know, those innovations and, and things that you may never see ended up benefiting us in other ways. Um, for example, the full bleed look of the Amonkhet masterpieces yeah. was a direct descendant of the work done on the full bleed lands that we made for Unstable. Right, we had done the lands before they had done the invocations, and so that, that's a good example where one of the things that, in selling this, one of the things that we've really stressed is the unsets get to be a place for innovation, that there's a lot, for example, if you just look at magic, like, like I said, the full, the full art lands, as an example, something that was really successful, when I first tried it, 
uh, I mean, Chris Rush originally wanted to do them and no one would let him do them. And the only reason that I did them in Unglued, they, they let me, is like, well, it's the weird set. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's a weird thing. The weird set can do it. And then they were crazy, crazy popular. And then obviously I did them again in Unhinged. And then they just started, like, normal Magic now does them. It's, it's no longer just a, a weird Silver Border thing. Um, and there's a lot of other stuff, like split cards. I mean, actually, the second... Unglued 2 never came out, but split cards were were made for Unglued 2. And then uh, that set never came out. And then when I was doing Invasion, I said, Hey, Bill, I have this weird idea. And I, I convinced... Took, I mean, Bill I convinced, but it took the rest of the company a little while longer to convince. But there's a lot of things that we do in Magic now that... You know, I talked about Meld earlier. You know, uh, like the... Um, what were the future cards from... Uh, future site cards? Uh, the packs. Mm. The packs. There's a lot of things where we'll try something and that... There are things we did in Unstable that I actually think 10 years from now might just... Magic does that, and that you'll look back and go, why was this silver-bordered? Um, but I, I was really, really happy that we were able to sort of push boundaries and that one of the things we did when we tried to get this on the schedule was sort of really... Oh, here's something else I did, but it's something that for you guys know. I actually went around and I collected all the comments I could find off my blog, off um, Reddit, off all, all, all the social media we could. Of I made a collection of, here's people asking for a third unset. So when we went to them, we're like, look, look, here, every place you can look, here it is. Here's people asking for it. Um, and so one of the things I think that got it made was you guys. Like, it was just the constant sort of... Like, it might seem like you asking the same question every day for years didn't matter, but it did. It really, really it, did. It did. In fact, um, you know, we sometimes record uh, our our panels. Yeah. And one of the things I did as part of the presentation for uh, making this product uh, was I took a series of clips of different people asking the same question <laughs> at our panels, and I played it as part of the evidence that there's, no, really, there's there's a bunch of people out here that really want us to make this and I don't know I, if you go back and look at some of those those panels and you look at I, I don't know there were a couple I was on um, some of the San Diego Comic Con yeah ones. San Diego yeah. Comic Con if you look at the expression on our faces you'll you'll probably now <laughs> realize that we were in our in our heads screaming right. yes yes we're <laughs> going to make another one but we just can't tell you about it yet because we don't know when it's going to come out yeah in fact the I think Almost the entire run of San Diego Comic Con, like every single San Diego Comic Con, every year somebody asked, and every year we knew eventually it was coming. Yeah. In fact, the thing we kept joking about was well, the way we wanted to release it was wait for somebody to ask a question, go yes, we're doing it, and show the sign. And <laughs> we didn't end up doing that, but uh, we were close. We thought about doing that. Yeah. Um. So anyway, we're almost wrapping up here, but uh, so so real quickly, so what happened was we got them to put it on the schedule. Um. It's clear from the fact that it moved a bunch of times that it was everybody who was sort of like I, I think what really got it on the schedule was a combination of us demonstrating to them you guys wanted it or some of you wanted it uh, and the passion of, of me and Mark and of, of many marks in the building um, of sort of it was clear how much of passion we had to make it and it is. I can't say how excited I'm. I'm so excited it's coming out. Um, yeah, and if you you know even if you've played silverboard sets before and uh, aren't sure about whether or not they're for you, check this one out because so much more work, modern development was applied to it, modern world building was applied to it. It's got replayability like the other ones uh, really didn't have built mm -hmm. into them, and uh, you know I I'm excited to draft this. Yeah, and the other thing that we one of the things I also talk about is. It has a modern sensibility, a modern design. It is, there's a lot of, 
I think we've gotten a lot better at designing magic cards, just having done it for a long time. And like I said, I, I did the other two one sets. This is clearly, I think, the, the bestly designed as a whole package. I mean, there's lots and lots of fun individual cards in the old one sets. I like unglued it, unhinged my babies. I love them. But Unstable is a package. It is something in which it is a, a lot more a cohesive thing. Like I said, there's world building built into it. We were very conscious of lots of different formats, lots of different ways to play. Um, also, the humor is something I should express. Each set had a very different tonal humor to it. Um, for example, like Unhinged had a lot more of a sophomoric sort of humor. Uh, this set is not that. This set is a little more of a refined sense of humor. We kind of built a world that was really kind of cool and interesting. And like the five factions are awesome. Um, we really spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to make cool, neat factions. We did world building with it. We had artists come in. Um, and like, you know, the Crossbreed Labs is, is just like, it's amazing. All of them are really, really cool. And, you know, like I said earlier, there are the opportunities for hilarious situations to come up in gameplay. Yes. I don't know if you've talked about uh, Ben Hayes asking Brian Hall. Oh, no, 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 no. We haven't, we haven't yet. Should, should um, I um, tell that story? Uh, should we tell that story? Uh, I'm trying to think when we're going to release this because right now okay. we haven't we haven't said anything yet <laughs> that I can't release it relatively soon. Okay. So why don't we hold off? We'll tell that. I will tell that story. Um, but I, I, I realized today we haven't said anything that we can't release this relatively soon. Yeah. So let's not. <clears throat> okay. if, we, if we say something we can't say, then I have to wait for like two months to, to, to play this. Well, so then, I, I promise, guys, I will tell that story. The Ben Hayes story, I will tell that story. Yes, and uh, <laughs> and I am on the way to work for you. So I would be yes. happy to do this again when yes. I talk about specific cards. Awesome. So I think probably what we'll do is I'll, I'll pick you up and we'll we'll talk about specifics. Today we were very vague, so we talked about the history of the set. But uh, hopefully, anyway, guys, we worked really hard to make this happen. That This was a her Herculean task by behind the scenes. Um, it was something where we were passionate, we really cared, we put a lot of time and energy. In fact, just as pure like time putting it, because it took so long, because it stretched over so much time, like I was constantly, you know, not not full time, but I was always working on it. And so this set had a lot of love from everybody involved in it. And so I, I think you guys will really, really enjoy it. And let me end by saying this, I've said this a couple times, but I will say it one last time. Um, if this is the kind of thing you 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 love, please obviously do it. If you've never experienced it before, try it. It's it's a perfect like draft experience. Like it it does not need to be something you continually play. It could be something you sample once and try and see what you think of it. I really believe when you play it, it's not what you might think it'll be. It is it's magic. I mean, there's a lot of fun things. It I always talk about how the spectrum of fun to competitive, this is on the fun side of the spectrum, but it is, it is, there's a lot of neat things, there's a lot of fun experiences you get from it. And if this is something you care about, we've made it two times before, didn't have great success because we overprinted it. If this one is not something people show, uh, if, if, if the audience does not demonstrate this is something they want, I do not believe we will see a fourth unset. Please prove, <laughs> prove us right. Yes. Is what Mark is saying. That if the audience comes out and there's passion and you know what I'm saying, that would be awesome. If, if in the end it's like, well, there's not really an audience, then this will be the last unset. So prove, prove me that we're right, that there really is a strong audience that people want it. So please, please go buy, go buy, go play. I really think you'll enjoy it. It's a really, really fun set. Um, but we are now at work. Yeah. So. Uh, so thanks, thanks for joining me today, and um, I will have you back. We'll talk, we'll, we'll talk nitty-gritty of actual cards and things. We'll talk mechanics and stuff. But anyway, um, I'm, we're at work. So that means this is the end of our drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for Mark and me to be making magic. Okay, I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>